Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right. So tonight's Bible study is going to be called A Walking Pulpit for the Lord. Walking pulpit for the Lord. Now, I do feel like this this teaching was pressed upon me, especially considering the last several teachings that have been done and talking, you know, and the Lord convicting my heart about some things, and um, just really been seeking Him a lot more on being a greater witness for Him and getting a fire rekindled into my life. And I know it's. It's been taking some fasting to get it done, and it's been taking some seeking his word to get it done. It's been taking some denying the flesh to get it done. And so, you know, we're really going to look into what does it mean to be a walking pulpit for the Lord. And I think that we would already have some ideas to what that means as to be a witness, you know, as to talk to people about Jesus Christ. And so we're going to get into that and what it means and, you know, what it means to get out there in the streets and to talk to people about the Lord, because I know that even for myself, sometimes it can seem kind of easy uh, to talk to people who are already Christians. You know, we can kind of sometimes when we're around people kind of pick up that, that vibe about the person that, you know, we think that this person already believes. And so we may interject a conversation with them. Oh yeah, they do believe. And that's, that's great. If we can find like, you know, precious faith that we can find people that believe. But what's even more important is that we're going after the people that don't believe. And I think that that is the greater challenge today, because when we're talking to people that don't believe, you know, it's not the fact that whether they believe in Jesus Christ or not, I mean, that is an issue, but it's also the fact that we are having to prove Jesus Christ's existence today. Although we know within ourselves, yes, Jesus Christ, he, he exists in us. He reigns in us. We know that he died on the cross for our sins, but that's become a debate today. People today don't even believe that Jesus Christ existed. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was ever on this earth. Um, they don't believe that he died on the cross for our sins. And so that's something today that we're also having to battle. And I think at times, because of that pushback, it can make us a little bit you know, complacent in our lives, it can make us to where it, it, at times we don't even want to deal with that battle because for us, it's so simple. It's so easy for us to understand. But then for those that don't believe because of all the different things that are being talked about today and a couple of things that I'm going to bring up today, as far as like uh, things that other people out there who are claiming to be Christians are not doing can also be a fight for us. And so how do we stay on the, the path of the straight and narrow? How are we going to go out there and talk to people about Jesus Christ? Because as we see and as it's been talked about, we're just getting that much closer to the end. But it's something that we must do. It's something that we have to do. It's something that I have to do. Because one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And, you know, what is going to qualify us for the kingdom of heaven? And so that's something that we're going to take a look at tonight. So. 
Hey, Sister Teresa in Texas, Sister Melissa, Sister Latoya, Brother Derek Grant, Brother Stanford. How you guys doing tonight? I hope you're doing well. So let's get into prayer and then uh, and Sister Tara, and then we're going to get started on tonight's Bible study. Heavenly Father, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name, I come to you this evening thanking you for another evening that you've given to us. Thanking you, Lord God, for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your patience and for your long-suffering upon our lives, Lord God, that we just give ourselves over to you, Lord God, that we get our relationship with you right before the end of time, Lord Jesus Christ, before our life expires on this earth, Lord God. Thank you for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon this teaching tonight lord jesus christ let your words be spoken and not that of my own lord god i pray lord jesus christ that you open up our hearts and our souls and our minds to receive you to receive your truth lord god to receive your gospel lord jesus christ to be a walking flame of fire out there in the world today lord jesus christ that people will want to come to know you lord jesus that we will do all it takes to get right with you lord jesus christ that we do what it takes to deny the world to deny the flesh the flesh and the lust thereof, Lord Jesus Christ, and to walk with you and in your Holy Spirit, Lord God, and to be sanctified, Lord Jesus Christ, that we can do the works that you've called us to do, not works into salvation, Lord Jesus Christ, but the fruit of the Spirit, Lord God, that in the mighty, holy, and almighty name of Jesus Christ, that we're going to go out there, Lord God, and believe you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things, Lord God, that through your power, Lord Jesus, we can heal the sick and raise the dead and speak in new tongues, Lord Jesus Christ. But it's going to it's going to take us all, Lord, really denying the flesh, really denying those things that keep us from walking with you, Lord Jesus, to, to getting behind the veil, Lord God. And so I pray, Jesus Christ, tonight, that is what we seek and that is what we desire after, Lord God, to walk 100 percent with you. And to forget this world, Lord God, because it offers us absolutely nothing, Lord Jesus, as we are growing closer and closer to the end, Lord Jesus. So I pray, Lord God, stamp eternity on our eyeballs, Lord Jesus Christ, that you find us worthy in the last days, Lord Jesus, that we are part of the remnant. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name, I pray. Amen. All right. And good evening, Brother Frederick. Good to see you on here tonight. All right, so let's get started with, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. All right, 1 Timothy 4. Four and verse one. Now the Spirit speaketh explicitly that in the latter times, huh? Expressly. Expressly, thank you, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now this is something that we're actually seeing today on a really large scale is that we have so many doctrines of Christianity out there today. It's like the Baskin Robbins of 31 flavors of Christianity out there today. Um, that some people are like when they hear, when you say, oh, I'm a Christian, all of a sudden the, the walls of religion go up in their mind saying, oh, well, that means that you're religious. And I know this is something that's been talked about before, but, you know, certain things that I'm seeing today, like, 
when it comes to Hillsong worship or to Bethel worship and finding out, going back in history as to actually, you know, what they represent and bringing it forward today. Because even some of the things that I studied about them, I didn't even really know until I like dove in deep as to understand what they are a part of. And, you know, Hillsong United, and they're, they're branching out into so many levels. And uh, so many of them are actually coming out saying they're no longer Christians, that they no longer believe in Jesus Christ. I have to debate if some of them did in the first place. Because, if, you know, you can walk away from religion, but you will never walk away from Jesus Christ. It's like once you have Jesus in your heart, it is hard to walk away from Jesus Christ. So, uh, but some people, it says here, some people are de departing from the faith. So. They probably heard of it. They, you know, wanted to know more about it. But then something happened that stopped them. Something happened that turned them away. So and we're seeing that on a mass scale today. And I'm going to, you know, talk about this on Hillsong Worship because their leader, Brian Houston, his father, it is, I watched a documentary where he had multiple cases of child molestation. And Brian Houston is actually under investigation now because he uh, just tried to dismiss all of it, tried to you know sweep it under the rug. And people are now coming out and they're talking about it. And that burns me up inside because it's like he is supposed supposed to be from a non-believers perspective. He is supposed to be a Christian. He is supposed to be over Hillsong worship and he's supposed to be over this so-called Christian group. And so. That is a that is a tactic of the devil to keep people away. We're going to place someone over this group who wasn't a Christian from the beginning, who was preaching prosperity doctrine way back in the 90s. Uh, his father, you know, molested all these kids. And so bring it forward 20, 30 years later. And these people are listening to this music and thinking, oh, well, you know, this is obviously Christian music with a beat to it. And then all of a sudden now this news comes out about what's happened that's going to turn people away that's going to actually turn people away from jesus christ because they're seeing this and this is supposed to be christian so the devil all these kind of tactics nowadays because it's ramping up closer and closer to the end he's going to use all these tactics he's going to use the music industry obviously because it's like there is gospel there's still good gospel music out there but he's going to use it to a twist. He's going to use some music that says, oh, as long as it says Jesus in the music, then it's going to be Christian. But as we know, there is another Jesus, there's another spirit, and there's another gospel that the Antichrist spirit is going to use to draw people into what, you know, he wants people to believe and not the true followings of Jesus Christ. And so, and that's why we have to be careful with everything that we take in, because I don't know, probably about a year and a half ago, I was listening to some Christian contemporary music on the radio, not even thinking about it. And then when I started listening to the old gospel hymns again and the regular gospel music, I found that there was actually a difference between the two and how my spirit connected with both of them. So eventually I stopped listening to that you know the contemporary stuff because i was you know even within my own self i felt that you know the lord was not satisfied he was not you know joyful with that music even though it was talking about certain things of you know all oh, happy and all oh, joy and all you know we can love jesus this way it is all a tactic of the devil 
And these are things that we have to know. And these are things that we have to study uh, within our own self to understand that even a lot of these music groups are owned by Warner or yeah, Warner Brothers and Universal. Huh? I said that's right. Yeah. And because they're owned by them, those those music companies or those uh, studios um, own secular music groups as well. And so it's like, you know, where do you where do we draw the line on? Well, some people may say, well, as long as it's it's some sort of Christian music, that's better than not listening at all. And I would have to disagree. You know, I would rather not listen to something that's trying to serve two masters, which is exactly that's what's happening, that we are serving two masters. And that's what the devil wants. If he can get us to compromise just a little bit, then he's got us in that small area. And that area has not been given over to the Lord. So that's just something it's like we have got to I've got to continue to work on in my life as to anything that has a smell Anything that has a, any iota or whatever of the devil's kingdom, I got to give it up. I got to get rid of it 100%. That's how we are going to be a walking pulpit for the Lord. None of the world is, is within us. All right, verse 5. Forbid, uh, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God had created, which God hath created to be reserved with thanksgiving from them which believe and know the truth for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Now, one thing I want to talk about here in verse three, as far as uh, forbidding to marry, um, that's one thing that, you know, it, obviously in the last days, if the Lord wants us to get married, I mean, we got a couple in here getting married. If we, if we want, if the Lord wants us to get married, that's, that's what he wants for us. But one of the, the religions of the Roman Catholicism going back, you know, a few thousand years is that that's what they did. They abstained their nuns. They abstained their priests uh, for being married and they wanted to control them. So when the Protestants were in the Reformation were, you know, talking about marriage as the sanctity under Jesus Christ and they were wanting, you know, the Bible to be spread that everyone could have it. That was actually one of the things that the Roman Catholics were persecuting them for was, yes, number one, they were bringing the gospel out. And number two, now the laymen in the Catholic Church were looking at this and was like, wait a minute, I can get married in the scripture. So, you know, the, the Roman, the priests were losing control over the laymen in their church. But that is a part of their religion. They're saying, oh, no, you know, you need to be. In a wrong sense, they're saying you need to be married to the church because as Christians, we are married to Jesus Christ. But Roman Catholics saying you need to be married to the priest. You need to be married to this religion, even though they're molesting little boys and stuff and things in their closet are being covered up. That's how they're trying to control. So the Bible even, you know, prophesied over these things thousands of years before, you know, Roman Catholicism was coming into play. It even talked about here in the scriptures. So the Bible, if we understand prophecy, talks about every single false religion that is out there today. The Bible actually talks about. We have to know where it says it. But yes, it does talk about it because the Lord wants us to know. He wants us to be prepared for these things. He wants us to be able to to tell people who are Islam, to tell people who are Buddhists and Hindus and Jehovah Witness what the scriptures actually says. But in order to do this, we have to have 
that continuous relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to study the scripture to know what it says. All right, verse six. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto he has attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables that exercise and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For boldly exercise, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised temptation. Now, uh, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. So it's saying here, let's look at verse 10 again. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So Paul, obviously, he knew what it meant to suffer for Jesus Christ. All the disciples did. But in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul actually talked about the sufferings that he went through, not to boast. But to show this is, you know, the expectation. Then this was the expectation of what it was to follow Jesus Christ. Now, bring it forward in 2020. It's a little it is different, especially in America. However, these things are going to happen again. But this is why it is so important. That we stay, you know, just together in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important that we stay focused. And on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and to know what the scripture says, because when the end comes, because it's coming very soon. I mean, it's just really around the corner. I don't think we can really fathom yet what the persecution is going to be like, because we've not had to endure this kind of persecution standing for Jesus Christ. We've only had to small battles here and there. But it's nothing but by comparison as to what the disciples had to endure, what the prophets had to endure, what Jesus Christ himself had to endure, and what the the early Christians of the Reformation had to endure. It is nothing by comparison. And, you know, some people today are looking at persecution as a bad thing because we're not having to, to endure it. People are equating God's wrath to persecution. Which is not the same thing. God's wrath is for the children of disobedience. Persecution was basically like, you know, a strike or a stamp of approval. Oh, you're a Christian. You know, you died for Jesus Christ. You must, that person must have been a Christian. You endured uh, beating. You endured, you know, being whipped. You endured being stoned. So that person must be a Christian. But today, because non Christian theologists have been allowed to, be in the realm of knowing what the scripture says and trying to break down what the scripture says. Now they're saying, oh, well, if you're persecuted, there must be something wrong with your Christian life. How is that possible for them to be able to say that when the scripture, you know, obviously says, if you're going to be a Christian, endure hardship as a good soldier. And he's saying right here, we, we suffered reproach because we trusted in the living God. So how is it that those men have been allowed to sit here and dissect the scripture and say, oh, no, no, no. You know, if you're a Christian, then, you know, everything's going to be great and grand and glorious in your life. And that's not true. In the heavenlies, yes, when we trust in Jesus Christ, yes, our life has 
meaning, our life has purpose, our life has joy and peace in Jesus Christ. But to the world, we're going to look at, we're going to be looked at as the crazy ones. We're going to be looked at as, oh, well, you're not talking about peace and love. You're not talking about, you know, what we want. You're just talking about some archaic old book that, you know, collects dust in my house. And that's what they're, that's what they're going to call us in today's, by today's standard. But if you go to countries where it's against the law to be a Christian, where you could die for being a Christian, where, you know, you could be thrown in prison to be a Christian, those individuals really know what it means and understands to be a Christian because over there they're not you know they're not concerned about uh where am I going to live they're not concerned about am I going to die for Jesus Christ you have to know and you have to be willing to take that stance and so they're willing to go out and preach the gospel unafraid to do so but why are we so terrified to preach the gospel over here and that's because persecution has not come our way and I think if it had, because the early Christians knew and understood, when I go out and preach the gospel, there's a good chance I'm going to be beheaded. There is a good chance I'm going to be burned at the stake. They knew the cost and the risk of being a Christian. But the devil couldn't stop them back then. You know, someone would be martyred over here, two or three Christians would pop up. Someone would be martyred over here, five more Christians would pop up. So the devil knew. Persecution's not working for me right now because these Christians keep uh, popping up. They keep preaching the gospel. So what did he do? He laxed it down. You know, he said, oh, let's stop persecuting the Christians. Let's stop doing this. And don't get me wrong. You know, I'm grateful that we have the ability to go out and preach the gospel. But we have to look at it from a realistic point of view that persecution is not always a bad thing. It actually keeps us firm in the faith when we have a challenge that comes against us. It, you know, it makes us want to study more. It makes us want to go, all right, what does the gospel say about this? What does the gospel say about that? You know, and so, but this scripture, this Bible is bathed in the blood of those early Christians that came before. But they walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we have to have. I mean, those guys were just willing to walk off their jobs. You know, I'll, I'll look at the life of William Tyndale. And some of these guys were like educated at Oxford, educated at other, you know, uh, institutions. They were actually geared to go into the priesthood, the Catholic priesthood, and they didn't do it. You know, the Lord convicted their heart and they listened to the Lord when he says, I don't want you going over here. I want you preaching the gospel. And they lost all their finances. They lost, you know, all ties with their sometimes ties with their family would cut them off. And the life of William Tyndale, he had he had a degree, I think, at Cambridge and in Oxford. He went to both. And he was fluent in about seven or eight languages. And he was a master debater. And he was set up to go and be a priest. And when he came out, he looked at a plowboy and said, I want this individual to be able to read the scriptures. And what happened at the end, to, to fast forward a little bit, is that he never married. He ended up going into hiding. Uh, he entrusted a friend, and that friend betrayed him, and he ended up being burned at the stake. But, you know, the gospel ended up getting out. What he wanted to be done was done, but he had to be in hiding for about 12 years to make it happen. But he got it out. You know, him, Martin Luther, and some other individuals got the gospels out. And that was their whole goal. When they came to know Jesus Christ, their whole goal was the gospel to get out, to reach the individuals where they were, and to have it go abroad. 
that was their whole goal. And they never stopped. The only time that they stopped was when their life ended. That's when they actually stopped. And that is that is actually my goal. And I know it's something that the Lord's been convicting my heart on. I know that it was something that the Lord's been working with me on. But that has got to be my goal. That has got to be my one heart's true desire is that with the rest of my life, serving the Lord, letting his will be done, because it's the joy of someone getting saved. And that's what I need to see more of in my life. It's individuals being saved. All right, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee, given thee by the prophecy, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy prophesying that that thy profiting may be may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself in them that hear thee. So it's saying here, if we continue with the doctrine, the scriptures, if we continue in the Lord, it's gonna save us and it's gonna save those that are around us. This is what the scripture's saying right here. So in my life, if I'm reading the word and people aren't being saved, then that means there's something wrong with me. That means that there's, you know, I need to have a greater connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that are around me who are not saved will be saved because that's what it is saying right here. So that again, that is, you know, I'm telling on myself because I want people to know if the scripture says that this is what's supposed to happen, then this is what's supposed to happen. And yes, it's a work in progress. If someone just got saved, Hey, seek the Lord, you know, pray. Uh, if you want a fast life, start a fast life, you know, ask someone how to do that. You know, uh, read the word and draw closer to the Lord and let the Lord work in our lives. Let the Lord work in your life so that these things can happen and we can have that joy and that peace. All right. Uh, if no one has anything, let's go to Mark 6 and verse 1. Good word, good word. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And again, like I say, the work the Lord has been working with me on this too. It's like the last few messages, He's really been convicting me of about a fire that needs to be rekindled in my life. And it's just, I, I think it's it's easier than we want to imagine. It's easier to get complacent than we think it is. It's easier to get relaxed than we think it is. And, you know, there was a time I would go out and I would walk with the Lord around my neighborhood and over a gradual time that stopped. And that's, that's because the devil is so subtle with what he does. Sometimes we don't always see it. And, when I don't always see what the devil's doing, that means it's like, all right, if I can't see the devil's subtlety, then what is going on in my life that I'm not seeing this? You know, and so it's like I want to get that fire back to where it's like we go out, talk to people about the Lord, talk to people about the Lord, you know. And so 
that's just something for me too. It's breaking my heart as well, you know, but as Christians in today's society, when we see the evil that's around us, you know, that's when it's like, man, this thing is just getting closer and closer. And if persecution is on the rise, then it's like trusting the Lord and believing in him. Now we got to, because if we don't now, we're not then. All right, Mark 6 and verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples following him, followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man seen, um, excuse me, from whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him? And even such mighty works are worthy by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. So they were not understanding who Jesus Christ was. They were not understanding where he was getting his word and where he was getting his wisdom and where he was able to do these miracles. Obviously, we know because he got them from God the Father, but they did not want to see it. And amazingly enough is, is that uh, if you want to, I don't know, look at it from a modern day standard, when they did not understand what Jesus was doing immediately because they did not want to believe, they went to the flesh. Instead of going to the spirit and knowing, hey, there's something about this Jesus, you know, he's able to do these miracles and he's able to, to know this word. So, you know, maybe there's maybe there's something more to this. They immediately go to the flesh and saying, isn't this the son of Mary, the carpenter's son? And this and um, these are his brothers and these are his sisters. So they started trying to attack the flesh instead of seeing him in the spirit, instead of seeing him as this is Jesus. This is the one that came down from God, the father. This is the one that has the Holy Spirit. This is the one that created the beginning, that created the earth. They immediately started going after his flesh, saying they immediately people don't want to receive the scriptures or the gospel. Immediately, they're going to start attacking us in the flesh, saying, well, billions of trillions of years ago, you know, this black dot did all these stupid things and blah, blah, blah. And. That's the side that they're going to attack us from. Or they may even attack us from saying, well, you're preaching some, you know, word that is very stern, some word that's very, you know, religious, some word that does not allow me to live a the diverse life that I want to live. Your word does not do this and your word does not do that because they're not wanting to see the true love of Jesus Christ that can set all man free. But it's only through Jesus Christ that this can happen. It's not going to be through some self-love, through some self-help, through some guru nonsense, through whatever, Hindu, Buddhism. It's not going to come through any of that. It's only going to come through us knowing and understanding that we are sinners from birth. It is, you know, it is who we are. And wanting to be set free and wanting to be born again. But we've got to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. That is the only way that individuals are going to be set free. And this is what, you know, we got to preach, you know, to the world, to to our, you know, people in our own surroundings, in our own community. This is what we have to preach, whether you accept it or not. That's between them and God, you know. But today 
This is exactly what's happening. They were offended by what he said. He didn't come up under the law. He wasn't like the other Pharisees and Sadducees and whatever. And today's standards, we're not like the world. We're not like, you know, the transgenders and the homosexuals and peace and love and rainbows everywhere. That's not what we are. But we are giving people love, but it's a love that will set people free from their sin. It's not a love that binds people in their sin. It's not a love that's going to say, okay, yeah, you can do this, but by the way, you can still have purple hair if you want. You can still do all these things. You can still, you know, cover yourselves in tattoos and get all these weird piercings and do all this other stuff. You can do all that. No, it's a love that sets us free from wanting to do all that. And it cleanses us out. But that's not what the devil wants people to know today. The devil, in his trickery, is using this whole diverse nonsense and all this diverse things, basically saying, you know, your gender is the same as your skin color. You can choose a gender like you can choose your skin color, but you can't, you can't do that anyways. But that's what he's trying to propagate on people. He's trying to mesh the two together. And that's how he's subtly coming in and saying, well, this happened to you when you were younger. So just live in it, live in that hurt. I mean, isn't, <laughs> I mean, that's just how subtle he is. He's basically saying, live in your pain, live in your bitterness, live in your anger, take it all in. Don't be set free from it. Don't forgive anybody for what they've done wrong to you. And, but that's what he's trying to push subtly. That's exactly what he's trying to push. And so when we come in, and we're trying to set people free from that sinful nature. The devil has deceived their minds so much that we're going to get pushback from that. We're going to get, oh, you're a hate speech. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're a bigot. Oh, you're judging me. Oh, you're doing all this, that, and the other. No, we're not doing that at all. But that's exactly what we're going to get because that's what that's the society we live in today. And unfortunately, many so-called Christian churches today have adopted that same philosophy. Come on in. Be whatever you want to be. You're going to be accepted in our church. We're going to fly the rainbow flag. It's okay to live that way. But how do you preach repentance of sin? How can they consciously you know, preach repentance of sin and have that serving two masters? You can't have both like that, but that's exactly what's happening. And that's where the confusion comes in with people, people who are atheists or you know, whatever. Well, this this preacher doesn't preach. This preacher doesn't say that it's wrong. And he's preaching from the Bible. Well, he's only preaching from a small majority of the Bible. If that's the case, you know, he's only probably preaching from Corinthians 13 or 12. But the thing is, is that he's having to rip out, you know, most of the scripture in order to keep that lifestyle in his church. I'm not saying someone that doesn't going to go in as a homosexual wanting to change their life. Yeah, we go in sinners. We came to Christ sinners. None of us came to Christ saved. We all came to Christ sinners and had to be changed. So I'm not saying that, but when they walk in the door, they shouldn't be walking right out the door the same way. There should be a conviction in their heart saying, I need to change. I need to change who I am on the inside. But the devil has worked his way in to the point where it's a small minority of individuals who are actually standing firmly on the word of God saying, no, this is wrong here, this is wrong here, and this is wrong there. And, you know, I said one night, it's like, we're going to be like that car that's going down the wrong direction. You know, it's a one-way street and they're going this way. 
They're going the opposite direction. That's how crazy we're going to look when we go against this society. We're going to look like that car going down the wrong way on a one-way street. You know, the world's going to say, man, you're going the opposite direction. You're swimming upstream, you know, or downstream. It's like, why are you doing that? Why don't you just go with the flow? Wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it just be easier to compromise just a little bit? No, because the devil knows no boundaries. The devil's already pushing his limits on the kids. He's already pushed his limits on the church. He's already in the political system, has been for a long time. And so it's like if we are going to be true followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to go against everything that this world stands for. And yes, we're going to be looked at as crazy, but that is the only way. It is the only way that we stay set free. It's the only way to set others free in this life. Yes, sir? Even like public schools, you're getting to a really bad point. Washington had approved a curriculum for kindergartners on um, introducing homosexuality and um, people who are changing their gender in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I just think that is crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's now against the law in Oregon, Washington, and I'm not 100% sure about where California stands, that if a teenager at the age of 13 identifies, if he says, I'm a boy and I identify with a girl, the parents cannot legally take him to counseling. Yeah. It's against the laws considered child abuse for them to do that. And it's just like, how? Okay. <laughs> but that, that's, the, that's Satan's kingdom we're living in because you know, they're taking the parental authority away from the parent. Mm -hmm. Saying, you know, if my child at age 13 says they're a girl and they're a boy, uh, no, you're a boy or you're a girl. Sorry, whatever gender you were born, that's it, you know. And so, but the government said they're trying to tell people, oh, well, you know, you can't do this. You know, you can't take them to counseling because it's child abuse. So when they grow up to be some sort of serial killer because they're confused in their minds, and then they're going to end up in prison. But that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants to turn everyone into his image. He wants to destroy. The devil doesn't have to kill us on a mass scale. He's going to when the persecution starts. But right now, he doesn't have to come out and all big, bad, and, ah, and kill us on a mass scale. All he has to do is kill the image of Jesus Christ in us. That is all he has to do. If he can kill the image of Jesus Christ in me, in you, and in everyone else, he's won. Now, he hasn't won the final battle, but he's got it right now. If he can destroy the image of Jesus Christ, and that's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to do through music. That's what he's trying to do through TV. That's what he's trying to do through movies. He's trying to destroy the image of Jesus Christ. In people because he's doing it in the movies he's doing it in the music industry he's he's taking it to where that which should be good is evil and that which is evil he's making it good he's switching the roles you know I was just watching a documentary on that last night or a couple of days ago where he's switching the roles and so the bad guy is this almost you know he's in white and he's got the white beard and he's sitting on a white throne. It's actually from the Hunger Games, which I've never uh, used to watch them. But when they showed it, you know, uh, President Snow is supposed to be like that Christ-like figure in all white. And so he's the bad guy. And then the rebels who are in red and black in that one picture where the girl is 
all in red sitting on the throne. That's, you know, that's Jezebel. That's the harlot that sits on many thrones, that sits on, you know, the great beast. And that's what it's representing. But it's twisting it up in people's minds. You know, she's supposed to be the good guy or the rebel, you know, but she's the harlot and then the bad guy. So they're twisting it around. So that way people won't, they won't want to come to know Jesus Christ. Because when they hear in the scriptures, you know, who Jesus Christ is, they're going to go back in their minds and think, well, the movie said that he was the bad guy in the movie. And that's how they're going to portray it. So that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to kill the image of Jesus Christ in us, in other people. So they won't believe in him. Can he do it 100%? No, he can't do it 100%. He is going to do it with some people because they're not going to want to believe, you know, but as long as we believe and we're telling other people and other people won't want to believe and they keep the image, the true image of Jesus Christ in them, he can't destroy it in them, you know, but he's going to deceive some. He's going to deceive a mass majority of the world because the way is very narrow. So if the way is narrow, only a small majority are going to believe. You know, well, we've got to preach the gospel anyways, because we don't know who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. So we've got to restore the true image of Jesus Christ in people's lives so they will believe. All right. Uh, verse four. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not worthy without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there no do no more. And he could there. Do no mighty work, save that he had laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the village, villages and teaching. And he called unto his uh, twelve. Let me see here. Uh, one, two, okay. And he called unto his twelve um, and began to send them forth by, by two and two. And gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a, a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purses, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, in whatever place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, then you should depart thence. Shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than in that city. So in verse here, verse eight and verse nine, he's only telling them, he told them only take what you need because he was going to provide for them for the journey. And that's something that you know, the Lord has shown me in my life, too, especially in recent times, is he always provides for my needs. And um, I am, you know, so very thankful and so grateful for that. But I don't think I've always, you know, been appreciative of that as I should be. You know, I don't think I've always trusted in the Lord in that manner as I should. And just being completely honest is that even after I got saved, uh, I wanted to hold on to my finances and I really wanted to like you know have control over that and because of that it was really hard for me to you know I was in, always in front I was in financial hardship for you know quite some time and you know so and he, even he is saying here it's like he told them don't take more than what you need you know 
uh, take a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in your purse, because he was going to provide for their needs and they trusted in him and they believed that that's exactly what was going to happen. Because for them, it was not about being rich on this earth. It was about preaching the gospel, you know? And so they would go and they would stay in people's houses. And if they heard the word, they would stay there. If they didn't, you know, they did exactly what they told, you know, what he told them to do. And that's what I long for in my life. You know, Jesus says, I want you to do this. I want you to go here. Okay, Lord, I'm going, I'm doing. That's the goal in my life, you know, to have that and to trust and believe, you know, the Lord is going to take care of my every need because he has, you know, and it came down to a decision. I think sometime last year that it was like, all right, Lord, you know, I'm going to trust in you whether I have or I don't have. I had to let go of my finances. It was something I just had to do to walk with the Lord. And so, but when I did that, I felt freedom in it. You know, it was just like the Lord's taking care of my need. You know, he delivered me from being an alcoholic. He delivered me from depression. He delivered me from smoking. You know, why was it so hard for me to trust in him in that? If he delivered me from all those things, it's like the children of Israel. How many times has the Lord delivered them out of some trouble and they still had issues with believing? You know, God was right there. He was always right there. It's not, yeah, exactly. With signs and wonders, he was always right there. But they always had issues and troubles with believing in the living God. You know, they wanted to go after this person or they wanted to go after this way. And, oh, our children would die in the wilderness and all oh, this and all that and the other. And, you know, sometimes I found myself in that same manner. And it's like the Lord has humbled me. Sometimes he has humbled me in a way that it was like, you know, I would have rather been punished than been, been humbled by this way. You know, it just it brought tears that, you know, he would give me something when I was so undeserving of it. And that was actually more humbling than, you know, him actually, you know, spanking me on the backside, which he's done too. you know. But it's actually, you know, it's just trusting in the Lord, taking care of every need that we go forward, that we do his will and we preach the gospel. All right. If no one has anything, let's go to Isaiah 6. In verse one, all right, Isaiah six and verse one. In the year that King uh, Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each on each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, 
which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now, this is just, when I read this, this was like, my goodness, astonishing, because here is Isaiah. He is seeing the, you know, he said, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the king, you know, and so he had seen it, but he was so undone by what he saw because he knew within himself, man, with what I have just seen, I am unclean. I am undone. I am not even worthy to be in this presence of the Lord. And so what happened was, is as we read here, you know, one of the angels came down, took a hot coal, put it on his lips because Isaiah said, I have un I'm on an I am with unclean lips, you know, I'm with the people that are with unclean lips. And we know that's today. We live in a society with unclean lips. You know, uh, we hear it all around us. The kids, kids saying unclean things, people saying unclean things, cursing and, you know, whatever comes to mind, they say it and there's no filter. And so because of this generation, this is something that should also be our heart's desire. Lord, I am undone. I have unclean lips. And I live in this society that has unclean lips. I am unworthy, but I want to be worthy to go out and preach the gospel. I want to be worthy of the Lord's praise that he can send me. Because here it says, you know, he said he heard a voice. But the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And when I, Isaiah heard that, he said, I am here. You know, I am. Here I am, send me. And so that is my desire too. I want to say to the Lord, here am I, send me. Wherever the Lord desires for me to go, that's where I want to go. Whether it's here in Portland or in other places. You know, because we definitely live in a city of perversion, a city of unclean lips, a city of, you know, prostitution and homosexuality and, you know, many other things. And so if this if my desire is to see people saved well hey man we're living in the right place i want to see people saved because this place definitely needs salvation but it is it in our hearts to do so is it in our hearts to say unto the lord lord you know here am i send me in portland because it definitely needs salvation it definitely needs the lord because they're preaching so many other things here you know they need the gospel verse 9 and he said Go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, and perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their, hear, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitation, and the houses without men. And the land be utterly desolate, desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in the in it shall be a tent, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a till tree, as an oak, whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy shall so the holy seed 
shall be the substance thereof. So we know that, uh, I mean, this was a prophecy for what was to come, and this is also a prophecy for what is today. Because, you know, there's going to be persecution arising. There's going to be, you know, people are going to flee out of the cities, you know, with all these coronaviruses and all this other stuff happening. You know, people are going to get so afraid that they're just going to want to leave the city. And persecution is on the rise, but it said there is a small remnant. There's a tent that's going to return. There is a small portion that is still going to preach the gospel for those that will hear it. And yes, we're going to be persecuted. Yes, we're going to be probably, uh, what is it, uh, you know, beheaded or something like that's going to happen. We're going to be killed for the cause of Jesus Christ. But the preaching of the gospel is going to come before that happens. And so that's why we have to stand fast in the Lord Jesus Christ, because if we die a martyr for the Lord Jesus, then we're going to reign with him. But that should be the goal in our life is to preach the gospel no matter what happens, because people need salvation, even in the last days, especially in the last days. Because if if we continue to preach the gospel now and it actually conquers into the hearts of individuals, maybe they don't believe it right now. But when things get really bad, they're going to remember that. And some people are going to say, you remember them crazy Christians that were always preaching to us about the end was coming here and this and that and the other? You know, we should go find that person now because they knew what they were talking about. There is something about this Jesus and we need to find out what it is so we can be in heaven with him because it's getting really bad right now and they're finally going to see it. And so that is why it is so important right now that we preach the gospel. Even if people act like they're not hearing it right now, some people will. It may take a little time. For that ple- uh, that seed to get planted, you know, it took a while for that seed to get planted in my life. You know, I had to go astray. I had to go and do things my own way, and then the Lord was able to plant a seed in my life. So I didn't get it right away. You know, and there were people talking to me about it years upon years ago while I was still wanting to live my own life, but I couldn't hear it then. I didn't want to hear it then. You know, I had to come to the end of myself. I had to come to a point where I was tired of you know waking up hungover every morning. Got tired of having that smoker's cough every day. Got tired of being depressed. That's when I was actually able to hear it. But when we're living this fun, sinful life, we can't hear it then. We got to get down and get desperate into the end of ourselves to want to hear it. And some people, they are going to hear it. When they get down that low and desperate, they're going to remember the words that were preached to them. And they're going to cry out to Jesus Christ. So that's why we have to continue to preach this gospel. All right, so Isaiah, if anyone has anything, Isaiah 52 and verse 1. I, um, uh, yes, he's like, my friend who lost his son, like a Facebook page, and it's like, prayers. And, uh, see him again one day but like he's not saved or anything so it makes me like not sad you know but it makes me like man you really want to do see your child one day you should want to get saved that's right because otherwise like all these prayers that you say it's like or other people mentioned you know that i know for a fact aren't saved it's like are you really praying you know are you really gonna like, if you're not really saved, then if you are praying, then what are you praying to? Or, you know, 
it could be good for them. Like maybe they could have like, yeah, yeah I'm praying to God, you know, to Jesus, but you know, like if you're not really gonna get saved, then uh, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I just got to pray for those individuals that they will get saved, Yeah, you know, so that they they know what who they are praying to, right. you know, and if, because it's only through Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I would, you know, be praying for them that they get saved. All right, Isaiah 52 and verse 1. <clears throat> awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come out into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake off thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, Ye have sold yourselves for naught. Ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them without cause. Now, interesting about verse four, when it, or verse three, excuse me, when it says, "For the, thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money." You know, I can say this for my own self: as when I was living in the world, I sold myself for naught. You know, I went to the club, I went to the bar, I, you know, got with guys I shouldn't have. And the Lord redeemed me without money through the power of his blood, through his shed blood on the cross. Without money, he redeemed me. And today people are trying to, what, buy their way with penance in the Catholic Church, or they're trying to do certain things, trying to buy their way into heaven through prosperity doctrine. No, the only way we come through Jesus Christ is not through money. It's not through any other way but by the blood of the Lamb and by repentance and by seeking Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. That's the only way. And that's what he's doing here with his people. He's redeeming them without money. He's bringing them out of that. He's bringing them out of the mess that they had gotten themselves into. All right, verse 5. Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for naught? They that rule over them make them to howl. Thus saith the Lord. And my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publish peace and bringeth good tidings of good that publish salvation. That saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. So if we know Jesus Christ within our heart, we are supposed to be the watchmen. We are supposed to be the ones that are going out and that are giving these tidings of joy, getting these tidings of good news. To the individuals that are around us. Now it doesn't sound like good news to the to the sinful world. For those that want to live in their sinful life. It doesn't sound like good news to them. Because it's not allowing them to live the lifestyle that they want to live. The lifestyle that Satan has plagued them with. But if they are able to understand 
that Jesus Christ wants to set them free from their sin like he has done to us, then eventually it does become good news because eventually they say, you know what? I've lived this life long enough. I lived in this hateful, bitter life long enough. I need to be set free from it so I can be set free from the hate. I can be set free from the bitterness. I can be set free from whatever evil spirits are, you know, oppressing their life. They can be set free. Then they understand it's good news. But to a sinful world that's ruled by the devil, they don't see it that way. But we have to go out and proclaim it that way. All right. Uh, verse 9. Break forth into joy, singing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath conf uh, comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made, hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence. Touch not no unclean thing. Go ye out um, of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. So he's saying here, and it's very important for us to understand this too, is that if we are the, uh, if we are the vessels of the Lord, we are not to have any uncleanliness in our lives whatsoever. No, you know, touch not the unclean thing, you know, don't have it in our lives. Um, we may not physically touch the unclean thing, but what about what we're hearing? What about what we're putting in our eyes? Are those unclean things? So it's like we don't necessarily have to touch it, but we can see it. We can hear it in our ears. We can see it in our eyes. And those unclean things, if they're not purged out of us, let's say we're not even purposely trying to intend to do so. Maybe we go into a store and they're playing some, you know, rock music or rap music or you know whatever kind of music alternative music and so it's there you know purge it out of our minds as soon as we leave the store and i know it's something we don't always think about it's something i don't always think about you're just going into a store what's the big deal the big deal is that our minds take things in and sometimes it's hard to get those things out and so they got to be purged out of our minds because the devil wants to try and get us unclean in any way shape or form he possibly can even if it's not purposely we're listening to it purposely watching it, if we see something, if we turn around, there's something, you know, uh, unclean on the TV and we look at it, you know, do we look at it and immediately turn away? Do we look at it and say, oh, what's that? You know, so then, you know, we can somewhat purposely take in, even though it was not intentional. And those things have got to be purged out of our minds because that's what I'm saying. The devil wants to put unclean things in our life. And the Lord's saying, I don't want you having any of those unclean things. Now, for around a bunch of kids who were cursing almost 24-7, we also have to pray that those unclean things get taken out of our minds because what they're saying can influence us the longer we are around it. All right, uh, verse 12. For ye shall not go out without haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rewarder. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many uh, were as many were astonished at thee. This vestige, vestige, his vestige was so marred, was so marred more than any man, and his form more than any than the sons of man. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them, they shall see. 
shall they see, and that which they had not heard they shall consider. And this is talking about the last couple of verses, 14 and 15, is talking about Jesus Christ, because the next chapter is Isaiah 53, where it talks about Jesus Christ. So these two verses actually are talking about, you know, when he was here and what the miracles that he did, and then he died on the cross for our sins. So, um, okay, does anyone have anything? If not, we'll go to Matthew 10. I was reading uh, Mark. I know he draws the demon out of the, the, the guy, and then the lady touches his oh, garment. Oh, right, yeah. He feels the. Oh, he's touching unclean things. And it brings me like, well, sometimes. Well, to me, it's like we have to go into that store or whatever, playing like all the rap music, whatever. And it's like, yeah, we're in there, but we can bear it to maybe help um, or talk to somebody or like mm -hmm. uh, at my work, I deal with like people who are testing all day. And it's like I have to deal with it all day. Right, right, yeah. And like I haven't really spoke up about. Um, you know, my experience yet, really, because I've got an opportunity, but I haven't, like, and, uh, but I feel like it's, like, weighing on me that I should, um, I don't know, you know what I mean, though? Oh, I do, because we've all been there, I know I've been there, you know, and there have even been times after, you know, it was, like, years later, where it was like I got into complacency or I got comfortable and I wasn't as strong for the Lord as I should have been. And, you know, he would tell me to do something and I didn't do it. You know, I was disobedient and I had to go and I had to repent of that. And, you know, but that the Lord showed me, hey, you're not as strong as you need to be right now. I mean, you're growing, you're growing in your faith and you know that the Lord's calling you to do that. But this was me years after I had gotten saved and he was showing me you need to pray more you need to fast more because you're not as strong in the faith as I once as I once was and so in growing in that and that's you know that's awesome that he's showing you that it's awesome that he's showing you in building in you those opportunities that he's going to give you to preach the gospel at your work and stuff so you can see that and that's a part of you growing in your faith that you can you can see that those opportunities are presenting themselves. And praise the Lord for that. Because he's going to give you that strength. You continue in the Lord, he is going to give you that strength. All right, Matt. It just comes out. Yeah. You can't help it. That's true. Love for God. Amen. All right, Matthew 10 and verse 5. I think after this, I'm going to read an article. All right, Matthew 10 and 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into the city of the Sumerians enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, Cast out devils, freely you have received, 
freely give. And this is um this right here is actually this is a part of being sanctified. So we are saved, and we are you know when we get saved, we grow in grace. You know we're getting rid of things out of our life, and we start growing in the Lord, and we want to hunger and thirst after what the Lord has because it's like for the first time His Word just comes alive. It's like a pop up book. Everything starts to come to life. You know, and he's, we are connected to him. We are connected to Jesus Christ, and that is how his word becomes his living word in us. And so we're growing in that, and we're getting rid of the things out of our flesh. And sometimes it's like it's a wilderness place because we can kind of settle, and I've done this. We can kind of get settled in that, oh, I'm saved, and I'm growing in the Lord. And so sometimes there is a process that we can kind of forget about, which is sanctification. But sanctification is the level we get to where it's like we have totally denied the flesh. We have totally denied the world. It is the level that the disciples got to. And they got to this because they wanted to believe wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ and to not have any affiliations with the world. And so they were able to do these things. They were able to cast out devils. They were able to heal the sick and raise the dead. Because the Holy Spirit was upon them to do so. He was upon them and the Lord gave them this because he entrusted in them that, hey, when I tell you what, when I tell you to go out and to do these things, this is exactly what you're going to do. And he gave them that power. He gave them that authority to do so. And that is the goal in my life is to, you know, give up this world entirely 100 percent to follow after jesus christ to be sanctified because as we see that the world we're living in yes we are to preach the gospel but some people are so hard-headed they're going to need to see you know the, those works put forth and obviously it's not the works that we boast in ourselves it's not saying haha look what i can do because there's already plenty of false prophets out there doing that and they're getting the glory for it no the glory always goes to jesus christ but that's what people need to see. So it's like for myself, I know I cannot get complacent in the fact that I'm saved. It's always a continuous moving forward. Because if we're not moving forward in the Lord, then we're moving backward into the world. And so we've got to continue to go forward. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, all right. Um, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. All right. Um, Let's go to verse 16, Matthew 10 and 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. So there's going to come a day where when we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, because this actually did happen before. When the early Christians, um, it happened to the disciples, as we know, but it also happened in, to the early Christians of, you know, uh, the first and second century. And then those of the Reformation, it happened to them as well when they wanted, you know, the Bible to get out amongst all the people. This is exactly what the Roman Catholic Church did to them as well. They scourged them in their synagogues because they said that they were preaching heresy. They said that they were being blasphemous because they went against the Pope. You know, they they did not see Pope as, you know, God's, you know, vicar or ambassador or whatever you want to call him on earth. They denied that because it went against scripture. So they got scourged in their churches. Verse 18. 
and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Now we're kind of seeing this on a smaller scale today, not necessarily the, the death part, but we are seeing families split apart over believing in Jesus Christ. You know, marriages are falling apart over this. Now some marriages are being saved, but some marriages are falling apart. You know, children are going against the parents. The parents are you know, telling the kids this is what they need to believe. So we are actually starting to see this take place. So if we're actually starting to see this, then the death part is just around the corner. Verse 22, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in the city, flee you into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel to the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above the Lord, above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master and the servant to be as his Lord. If they have called you the master, if they have called you the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them? Of his household. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in the light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. So what he's saying here is, is that we're going to be called all, all sorts of stuff for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. But he wants us to go out. He commands us to go out to preach it anyways and to not have any fear of what man may do to us and not have any fear of what man may say to us, but to preach the gospel anyways. Because even those people that are reviling against us, even those people that are going to call us names and say, oh, you Bible thumper, you this, that, and the other, even they need Jesus Christ. It's like when Jesus was being persecuted before he died on the cross, you know, they put a blindfold on him and smacked him in the face and asked him, you know, who, who hit you? And they were, you know, they whipped him with the cat of nine tails and they did all this, that, and the other to him. But he never spoke a word. Why? Because he died on the cross for those men, those very men that were persecuting him. He died on the cross for them as well. So he didn't just die on the cross for me or for you or for others that, that believe. But he died also for those same men that persecuted him. He died on the cross for the soldiers that stabbed him, for the soldiers that made fun of him, that cast lots of him. You know, he died on the cross for those individuals as well. So that's what he's saying here is that no matter what men do to us, don't be afraid of them because they cannot do anything to your soul. They may kill your body, but that's all that they can do. You know, our soul belongs either to the Lord Jesus Christ or it belongs to the devil. And that's why we have to have that fear of the Lord to keep us out of hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not of his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my name's sake shall find it. In another verse, it actually talks about um, property, owning property or money. You know, so it's like he that will not, he that won't deny not only father, mother, or children, but also land or property as well, because they're. Are many things today that can take first place in our life over Jesus Christ. It's not just our family, but it's like it's our apartment, or it's the TV, or it's the radio, or it's you know the iPad, or it's the cell phone, you know, it's the whatever movies are playing in front of us. And so there are many idols that can take precedence over our life today. It can be our job that can take precedence over our life today that can cause us to say, you know. The Lord will forgive me. He knows that I need to have financial status in this life. But the Lord's going to take care of us. But if we're saying that, if we're saying that our job is more important than Jesus Christ and we don't trust him, we're not trusting that he's going to take care of us in those aspects. You know, and if that's within our hearts, then we need to pray and seek the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to have first place. Help me with this so I don't make it an idol over you. And so you take priority in my life. You have first place in my life. So that's what we need to pray for, because there are many individuals out there today saying, I can love the Lord and I love my family, but, you know, I can't believe that God would, you know, want to separate me from my wife or from my children. You know, and they're supposed to be Christians that are saying this. You know, they've been Christians, I don't know how many years, 30, 40 years. And don't even know what the scriptures say about Jesus Christ having first place in our life. Because they're idolizing so many things. They idolize their home. They idolize their cars. They idolize the value that they've taken in that life. That's also an idol. The idol of this, you know, the status that they have in this life is also an idol. So it's like if we cannot depart from all of these idols that are in this world, how are we going to fully serve the living God? All right, um, verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of that righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give a drink unto one of these little ones, a cup of cold water only, in the name of that of a disciple, verily I say unto you, 
he will in no wise lose his reward. Okay. So from here, I want to read a, a little bit of this documentary. Kind of a short snippet. I'm not reading the whole thing because it's taken from Fox's book. It's a martyrs. And that's like 2,500 pages. <laughs> so, but this is kind of, this is, um, in this documentary or in this book that he's written uh, over the past several hundred years, um, it actually lists several martyrs um, for Jesus Christ, um, even to include the disciples, Jesus' disciples, moving upward. Um, but this here is John Lomas, Agnes Knoth, interesting name, Anne Wright, Joan Soul and Joanne Katmer. So I'm just going to, it's just one page real quick, and I'm going to read this. John Lomas, Agnes Noth, Anne Wright, Joan Soul, uh, and Joanne Katmer, these five martyrs suffered together in January 31st, 1556. John Lomas was a young man of Tinterden. I think that's what it is. He was uh, cited to appear at uh, Canterbury and was examined on January 17th. His answers being adverse to the idolatrous doctrines of the papacy, he was condemned on the following day and suffered January 31st. Agnes Snoth, widow of Madner Parish, was several times summoned before the Catholic Pharisees and rejected um, absolution, indulgences, transubstantiation, and arcular confession. She was a judge worthy to suffer death and endured martyrdom January 31st. With Anne Wright and Joan, Joan Soule, who were placed in similar circumstances, were perished at the same time with equal resignation. Joanne Catmer, the last of this heavenly company of the parish height, um, was the wife of the martyr George Catmer. Uh, seldom, yeah, seldom in any country for political controversy have four women been led to execution whose lives were irreproachable and whom the pity of savages uh, would have spared. We cannot but remark that here, here that when the Protestant powers first gained the um, ascendancy over the Catholic superstition and some degree of force in the laws were necessary to enforce in, um, uniformity, Whence some bigoted, bigoted, bigoted people suffered privation in the in their prisons for or goods in their person or goods. We read a few burnings, savage cruelties, or poor women brought to the stake. But it is the nature of error to resort to force instead of argument, and to silent truth by taking away existence, of which the Redeemer himself is an instance. The above five persons were burnt at, the, at two stakes 
in one fire, singing Hosanna to the glorified Savior until the breath of their life was um, extinct. Sir John Norton, who was present, wept bitterly at their unmerited suffering. So these individuals, these five individuals suffered for, this is written several hundred years ago, so the, the, the English translation is a little, that's why I'm having trouble reading it. But these individuals died for Jesus Christ. You know, it says at the very end, they were singing to the Lord as they were being burned. And they weren't the only one. There's several hundred, if not thousands of martyrs listed in this book. And, but that just shows us how far we have come from wanting to be persecuted for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like something that is going to be a great, you know, thing to do. But for the for Jesus Christ, it is. If we suffer as Christians for Jesus Christ, what greater, you know, joy in this life do we have? But then to do that, I mean, these individuals, they were poor and they were going about preaching and teaching the word of God. And even at the end, they were singing joy to the Lord as they were being burned. Why were they doing that? To give hope to those individuals that were watching around them. That's why they did that. They wanted others to know that, yes, there is still joy in suffering. There's still joy in burning for our Lord Jesus Christ. And they were willing to do that. Exactly. 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 Praise the Lord. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the main thing is that they were sick of this life. They were going to be with the Lord. I think that's where most of their joy was coming from. Yeah. You know? Amen. That's so yeah. true. Praise the Lord. And there's many other that are listed in there, but that is an extremely long book. <laughs> um, all right. So from here, if no one has anything, let's go to Ephesians 3 and verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he hath made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote aforetime in a few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Jesus Christ. And we know what that mystery is, and that's the Holy Spirit which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is known, now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, right, fellow heirs of the same body and partakings of the promise in Christ by the gospel. So he's going out and he's he's preaching this unto the Gentiles. And this is the same thing that we have to do because if we are fellow believers with one another and we, you know, have that iron that sharpens iron, you know, and we are, you know, talking with people and we're texting with people that are also fellow believers. That's awesome. That's great. It's wonderful to do that, but we can't just hold that joy within ourselves because there are billions of people out there today that need this gospel. And if we have this joy within us, 
They need to know what this same joy is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, where I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, you know, we know who Paul was before he came to know the Lord. He was Saul. And when he was Saul, he went out and he persecuted the church. You know, he sent out orders to have Christians, you know, persecuted and killed and burned. And so he believed himself through all the sufferings that he went through. He believed himself to be less than all of the saints. And this grace was given unto him. And, you know, when we stay humble in the Lord, we feel the same way. We feel like, man, I am so undeserving of this grace. I am so undeserving of what the Lord did for me. Because he came to me in the wretched, filthy state that I was in and saved, saved this, you know, almost lesbian-looking drunk, depressed drunk, you know, and who thought I was all this and I was really nothing. And he saved me. You know, he turned me around from the, the very rough stage of life that I was in. You know, I'm not kidding when I tell people I was really close to mind. The devil was tricking my mind that I should be turning because of the rough exterior that I had. Uh, I, I didn't. I was a woman not knowing how to be a woman. I was a very rough individual, you know, cursing every other word. And so and that's that's who I was, you know, and he the devil was tricking me. He was turning me and turning me and turning me to eventually had I not received Jesus Christ, I either would be dead or I would be dead. I'm just putting it to you that way because it's like I would either probably died, you know, driving drunk down the road or could have died in some sort of whorehouse or prostitution or whatever you want to call it. That was going to be my end had I not received Jesus Christ when I did. Those are the only two choices I had. And thank you, Jesus, that you saved my soul. Thank you, Lord, because I don't want to know that that other road that possibility was. I don't want to know what that end was. And so, you know, Paul was saying that that's why he's saying it here. He's like that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Because when we read this gospel, it comes alive to us every single time that we read it. Something new comes out. We cannot get you can dig through the gospel and dig through the gospel, and it's like we can never come to the end of what it says. There's always new meaning in this gospel. Every time that we read it, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Every time we read it, the Lord reveals something else. It's like, man, I just read that same verse three days ago. <laughs> How many different studies have we done where we've been able to use the same verse but talk about a different like, way to use a different perspective that God is teaching us? Absolutely true. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. So true. Verse nine. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord, 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So it's saying right here is that, you know, if we walk in the Lord, if we walk in the Holy Spirit, if we seek the Lord continuously every day and we pray and seek and fast and knock and, you know, just hunger and thirst, then he's going to give us that boldness. He's going to give us that confidence all the time. But what happens most of the time, the flesh creeps in or we allow the flesh to creep in. I allow the flesh to creep in. And before you know it, where does that boldness and that confidence go? It starts to go down and it starts to go down because the more the flesh is allowed into our life, we're not 100% sure of that boldness or that confidence when we should be. And the Lord's going to show us too. You know, the Lord always humbles me when he shows me you're not where you need to be in me. And when I'm not there, he will show me. You know, he'll let me go as far as I can go. And then he turns me around. He says, look, look at where you are right now. This is not where you're supposed to be. You need to start praying more. You need to start fasting more. You need to start reading your Bible more. And it's going to get to a point where I'm going to do that consistently. He doesn't have to do that for me anymore. He doesn't have to remind me of that anymore. I'm just going to do it through him, you know. But it's going to take us really getting rid of that fleshly nature for that to happen. And so he can continuously give us that boldness and confidence that we need. Verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Okay. All right. Um, all right. If no one has anything, let's go to Romans 15 and verse 14. It's interesting because Romans 15 and 14 reads almost the same as what I just read. <laughs> All right. Romans 15 and 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So he's saying here, it's like not only do we preach to the Gentiles that they be saved, there's also going to come to that point where they're going to be saved and that they're also going to be sanctified as well. So it's like when we go out again, you know, when we go out and we preach the gospel and we're saying, hey, come to know the Lord because the end is coming, you know, the end is coming. It's not just that these individuals get saved, it's so that they also can get on fire for Jesus Christ, you know, because it's like, you know, I, you know, when I first got saved, obviously, you know, six and a half years later, the Lord's still working on my life. But we don't always know, and I know this has been said before, we don't always know that one person that gets saved, man, they just may, they may just catch fire as soon as they get saved. You know, not everyone's are like I am. Some people are going to be saved, and they're going to be Paul. Some people are going to be saved, and they're going to be Peter. Some people are going to be saved, and they're going to be John. So it's all about, you know, us going out, 
preaching the gospel to these individuals and not seeing, you know, what they look like, what we're going to see is how can Jesus work in this person's life because of the experiences that they've had. You know, they may get saved and say, man, Jesus just delivered me from a gajillion demons. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, they need to know the word, yes, but we're not to stop. We're not to get in the, the way of anyone who's willing to get on fire for Jesus Christ and be sanctified and to do his will. All right, verse 17. I have therefore, wherefore, I may say glory through Jesus Christ in those things which are pertaining to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which God, uh, which, Je which Christ hath not wrought by me, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through, through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Iconium I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so I have strived to preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. So he's saying here, it's like, you know, sometimes it's easy to go and it's easy to preach in a place where someone else has already built a foundation. Because those people are willing to listen. But what about those places where the gospel has not been preached? What about those areas where people don't know? I mean, finding interesting enough is that there's even places in Portland where people have not heard about the gospel. You know, there was one time, this was a couple of years ago, Derek and I were out preaching. And this guy came up and he's like, do you know who Jesus Christ is? And he said, no. He had never heard who Jesus Christ was. And kids today are being brought up not knowing who Jesus Christ is. Because we're not allowed to talk about in schools. We're not allowed to talk about in certain areas. So they're growing up not knowing who he is. Even though you can Google who is Jesus Christ, you know, they may give you a false idea of who he is. But it's still out there. But it's interesting how people today, how children today are being programmed. Not, they've not heard of Jesus Christ. That they can know and that they can receive him. It's just being taught as a history man, you know, someone of history that we want to hear not people aren't able to actually hear the gospel and experience the presence and get to know the relationship and that is that through the gospel, not oh yeah, Jesus is just a person. You mm -hmm. know, they're taking that away. It's sad because that's where the transformation comes. Mm -hmm. Well, even in some places, they're not even allowed to bring him up, period. Not even as a historical figure. The, the devil wants him taken completely out of our society, 100%. And so in some places, there he's not even allowed to be brought up in that aspect or in that manner. And so that's why kids today, you know, when you ask them, do you know who Jesus Christ is? No, I've never heard of him. I don't know who he is. And even though you can look him up. You can look up who Jesus Christ is, but people don't know. And that's what Paul is saying here is that we've got to go to those individuals who've never even heard who Jesus Christ is, that they may know that they will receive the gospel, that they will be saved, that they will be able to repent and have that relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. One last place. If no one has anything, it's going to be kind of a short teaching tonight. <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> Ephesians 2. And uh, that's 11. Two and eleven. Wherefore remember that ye being in the past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the convents from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And this is exactly <laughs> what we were before we came to know Jesus Christ. You know, we were, you know, we needed that, we were uncircumcised in the heart and we needed that circumcision to take place before we could have that commonwealth, before we could have that covenant of Jesus Christ. We were living for the world. We were living for the devil. We were living for ourselves and what we wanted to do. And so that's what it was. You know, we were alienated from Jesus Christ at that time. But as we all know, we believe in Jesus Christ. He was always there. He never moved. He was always there. He was always trying to get us to come to know him. And sometimes it takes a long time. I know that back when I was living in the world, and even before then, back when I was going to, you know, Baptist church, I didn't want to go to church. You know, I didn't know Jesus Christ at that time. I wanted to do my own thing. So when I got on my own, that's exactly what I did. I did my own thing. and I left the church. And there were times that the Lord tried to reach me. You know, it was small things here and there that people would say that people would do. Don't do this. Don't go out with this person. Don't go over here. Don't go over there. And I didn't want to listen. And through all of that, through all those experiences, the Lord saved me. The Lord didn't allow certain things to happen to me that could have. That very well, well could have happened to me, you know. I could have died driving drunk down the road, you know, back in 2013 or 12, one of those years. Um, I could have died. That happened. And the Lord, you know, had his hand on the car driving me home, you know. And even though... I was alienated from the Lord at that time. He still had his hand on me. All right, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace so we know that jesus christ broke down the veil when he died on the cross for said he broke down that wall you know before you know having to go to the high priest having to do certain sacraments and then the high priest you know would go in uh you know well, every so often the high priest would go into the temple into the holy of holies and that was the atonement for sin at that time you know they didn't have a personal relationship with jesus christ at that time as we do now you know and so jesus christ dying on the cross for our sins he broke down that wall so we could go 
you know, we didn't have to go to a high priest anymore. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And so we can go directly to him and we can pray and say, you know, Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me out, Lord. And we can go, you know, to him. We don't have to go through all these sacramental, you know, religious or, you know, rituals anymore. All we got to do is go to Christ. You know, and that's why it's like people who want to keep the Sabbath and people who want to keep the laws and stuff like that. Man, it's like, why carry that burden when we can just come to Jesus Christ as we are and he can set us free. He can cleanse us. But today people are trying to make it such a difficult, difficult process to come to know the Lord Jesus. And not only that, but it's like with all these false religions that are out there today, you know, claiming to have the banner of Christianity across them and they're not bringing people. To the truth of Jesus Christ. They're not bringing people, you know, to a saving knowledge of the Lord. They're not telling people that they need to repent of their sins. And so, you know, that's a, that's such a dangerous, heretical doctrine to teach. And it's like, I have to question, you know, are those people even saved? They can't be saved if they're standing behind the pulpit and they're, they're not preaching repentance for salvation. They're not telling people, hey, you know, you need to be washed by the blood of the lamb, which is the only way to be set free. You know, how can someone be saved and tell people you can live exactly the way you are and get into heaven? You know, how can you be saved and do that? Because they're damning their souls to hell. They're damning their own souls to hell by doing that. You know, because it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only by having a relationship with him. <sighs> All right. Uh. Where am I? Verse 14? No, verse 15. Is it 15? Okay, thank you. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace. To you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. Through him, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So we have access unto him through the Holy Spirit. We can come unto Jesus. You know, so it's just, man, it's having that relationship with him and understanding this is that he preached this to them that were far off and to them that were not, that we would all come to know him. Now, therefore, Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also ye also are builded together. For inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So that's the lesson tonight, guys. You know, I know it was kind of kind of uh, short tonight, but you know, it's having it's being that you know walking pulpit for the Lord. It's going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that that need it, you know, and not to those that already are saved, but to the lost, to to the ones going to hell, you know, to the ones that are life or in you know utter torment you know, turmoil and pain and need to be set free. That's who needs the gospel of Jesus Christ because we, you know, we were there. You know, I was there, you know, and the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to me. 
you know, and I had questions and stuff like that, but I wanted to be set free. And there's desperate people out there tonight wanting to know how can I be set free from this life? And we are the only hope, the light that this world has is to give them the life of Jesus Christ, to die out to sin, to die out to those things that are killing them, to die out to alcoholism, to die out to lesbianism, to homosexuality, to die out to self, to come to know Jesus Christ, the only one that can set us free. Thank you, Jesus. So, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> From the back audience. <laughs> um, before I close out tonight, uh, we're going to uh, talk about these two books. And They Overcame is the first one. The second edition by uh, Jeremiah Poja, Coach P. And um, you can get this book on lulubooks.com for $7.99. And it has a, this book is comprised of a list of 11 personal handwritten testimonies of how real people entered into salvation and how Jesus Christ became a reality in their lives. Each account is different and distinct because every person on earth is faced with a different set of circumstances and living situations. That's true. Even though all these Christians are coming from different backgrounds, they all have one thing in common. Jesus Christ has begun to save their souls and to, and to deliver them from the shackles of sin and the devil. Amen. So I have this book, too. Our brother, uh, Minister Derek Hallett, his testimony is in here as well. But I started to read this book. It is a very, very good read. You want to get that? And then there's also the Organic Gospel. Uh, written by Pastor Gary Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. Um, this book is uh, $13.95, and you can get this from theorganicgospel.net. Derek, is that right? www.theorganicgospel.net. www.theorganicgospel.net. So this also is a very good read. Uh, I started reading both of these. Um, the Organic Gospel is good. Um, and I think it's Sister Ebony. Or Sister Naomi that did a study guide with it. Naomi. Naomi. And Sister Naomi also with Omega Ministries, she did a study guide with this book as well. So with that, we're going to close out. And uh, for everyone listening in tonight, whether you're saved or you're unsaved, uh, give your life to Jesus Christ tonight. Let him work in your life so we can be delivered from all things that are keeping us from having that you know, holy and sanctified relationship with him. Um, praying also over our brother Hallett, our brother Derek's uh, health as he's getting better, but continue to pray for him. And uh, thank you, Sister Christina and Brother Taylor for being here tonight as well. And everyone listening in, I pray for you guys as well that whatever we're going through, whatever you're going through, let the Lord Jesus Christ have number one rule and reign in our lives. So we're going to close out with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, in Jesus' holy and mighty name, I come to you this evening thanking you, Lord God, thanking you, Jesus, for your grace, thanking you, Lord God, for your love and for your mercy, thanking you, Lord Jesus Christ, for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to come upon us and to set us free, Lord Jesus Christ, to cleanse us from all sin and from all unrighteousness, Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be filled with you, Lord God, and to go out into a lost and dying world, Lord God that we can tell people about the only way to be set free, and that is through a relationship with you, Lord Jesus Christ. That's yes. through 
repentance of sin and to coming to know you, Lord God. And I just pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that if there's anyone listening in tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that is, does not have a relationship with you, but they're wanting to come to know you, Lord God, that they will, that they will seek you, Lord Jesus Christ, that they will to come to know and understand what it is to be set free. The only way to be set free is through you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's giving up this worldly life. It's giving up this sinful life. It's giving up everything that hinders us and that keeps us from walking with you, Lord Jesus, because there is a lost and dying world out there tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, and they need to know of a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, Lord God, but who's at the right hand of the Father today. So I'm praying, Lord God, that we take up that mantle, Lord Jesus Christ, that we take up our robe of righteousness, Lord God, and that we're going to do this. We're going to do what you commanded us to do, Lord God, and that we're going to stand firm in the faith. We're going to stand firm in the gospel, Lord Jesus. We're not going to compromise what we believe, Lord God. We're going to stand firmly and boldly upon you, the rock of our salvation. So thank you, Jesus Christ, God Almighty. I pray, Lord God, for anyone suffering with financial hardship tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that you be with them tonight, Lord God, and that you touch their lives, Lord Jesus Christ, that they give you their finances, Lord God, that you can control it, Lord God, and be with them. That we trust in you, Lord Jesus Christ, with our every and all need, Lord God, because you are our provider. You are our high tower, Lord Jesus Christ. You are the strength. You are the one that goes before us, Lord Jesus Christ, in these last days. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for those out there tonight who are struggling in their marriage, Lord Jesus Christ, that maybe they've got an unsaved husband or wife, that you be with them, Lord Jesus Christ, that you, that you touch that spouse, Lord God, that you can take out that heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, Lord Jesus, that they come to know you. I pray for individuals out there tonight who have lost children, Lord Jesus Christ, that those children would come to know you. Individuals out there tonight who have lost parents, that those parents will come to know you lost siblings, that they will come to know you, Lord Jesus Christ, and that we continue to pray fervently, hot prayers unto you, Lord God, that we not forsake our prayer closet, Lord Jesus, that you will give us the energy, that you will give us the strength to go forward and to do your will if we trust in you, Jesus, the living God, the only one, Lord God, worth fighting for, worth standing for, because you were the only one who set us free, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, for all and everything that you've done. Set us on fire. Set us ablaze for you, Lord Jesus Christ, to go out into this lost and dying world to set man free. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. So thank you, Sister Latoya, Sister Teresa in Texas, Brother Frederick. Uh, one second. Thank you. Oh, here we go. Coach P, Sister Tanisha, Brother Stanford, Brother Mark, Brother Derek Grant, uh, Sister Melissa. Uh, Tanisha already said Latoya. And I think that was it. So thank you guys for listening in, and until next time, until Sunday, Sister Tara, glad you were on as well. Uh, you know, stay prayerful. Don't forsake your prayer closet. Uh, let's continue to pray for one another and that we stay strong in the faith. 
All right. Until next time, have a good night and a blessed, uh, blessed week. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.